0: Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 58, Violent Storm in (laughs) GookieCon. That was pretty close.
1: Yeah, it's the G1 Climax Final, but at this point in time, it was a violent storm.
0: It was a violent storm as it was a tour of shows. Produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Covering the G1 Climax Tournament of 1991. It would run from August 7th to August 11th. Multiple locations. Mostly um, in Tokyo. And they every single one of the shows. There was four in total. All ran between 11 and 12,000 people.
1: So a lot of people.
0: Japan got it going on.
1: They They show up.
0: They're great crowds too when they do. Oh
1: yeah! Oh my God! Yeah, these the crowds on this show, like, yeah, on the show, are fantastic. It's like the nothing. You know, people are always like, "Oh, the Japanese crowd is so quiet," and they clap, and you know, but they're tearing this place to shreds, (laughs) like the whole the whole shows. Or I guess we go to a couple different places, don't we?
0: Yeah, there's a couple different locations yeah,
1: but they're they're you know. At the top of their lungs in all of the buildings.
0: So what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to cover a couple of edited videos of the block matches that were during the tournament. And then we actually did find one full block match and then the full final match. All of those matches can be found on Daily Motion, while the final match itself is the only one that is on New Japan Pro World. So if you do have NJPW World, the final match is the only one that's out there. Yeah, I believe one of the videos we watched uh, was a fan cam. Yes, the the full <laughs> the full block match that we found is a fan cam. So you can hear some of you can hear a lot of crowd reaction and oh, yeah. There's no, there's no commentary at all. But it was Granted, still
1: it's it'd be in Japanese anyway. So it's like exactly. yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I might be able to pull out a couple of a couple of words, but uh, not enough to string together a sentence.
0: That's the other thing. All these matches, when there was commentary, it's all in Japanese. So us commenting on the, on the commentary is, here it is. It was in Japanese. It was in Japanese, yeah. I understood when they said their names. <laughs> exactly. So other events during the same time as the G1 Climax tournament in 1991. Alexa Bliss was actually born during the tournament.
1: Oh, Cool. What is she like? A three-time, three-time champion,
0: two times, one time. She's at least two. She might yeah. be a three. What do you have any opinions on Alexa Bliss?
1: She's great. She's fun. One of the more like you know, I was. She's great on uh, the microphone, and uh, that's kind of what you need to be in WWF. So she's got it, got that down.
0: I totally agree. I mean, I and think her she's like actually, her
1: fi- her finisher is really cool.
0: Yeah, I her. I feel like she's actually probably one of the better performers out of the dozen or so main roster women. Yeah. Are... I think
1: she's not as talented as Charlotte Flair, but really nobody, not very many people are uh, and better in ring than say your Carmella. Carmela, but she's also better on the microphone
0: as well. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Granted, I do find Carmella pretty wonderfully annoying. She's got that down.
0: Yeah, you like Carmella way more than I do.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, she's just good at being a brat, and, you know, that's, that's uh, it's entertaining.
0: And the other thing that I could find, Metallica would release the Black Album. Hell yeah. Are you a Metallica fan? The only Metallica album I own is the it's... S&M album.
1: Uh, that's what I was about to say. I was like, I bet it's the S&M, S&M album. I never really got into the Black Album. I like the first, what is it? Four, I like the first four Metallic albums,
0: but. Well, this and that's the kind Black of early album, about it. The Black Albums kind of when they change their sound just a little bit. It's,
1: yeah, it turns, it's like a little more rock than, than metal.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not as like thrashy, which the album before that, yeah. Injustice for All is pretty thrashy. It has like the quintessential thrash music production where everything's like super thin (laughs) and there's like no bass but uh, the black album is definitely recorded better but uh you know not a huge metallica guy but they are a super important band and uh those first four records are all pretty pretty great like master of puppets and ride the lightning everyone deserves to listen to at least once even if it's not your thing
0: so let's go ahead and start talking about the g1 climax
1: what is the G1 Climax?
0: Good question. So New Japan Pro Wrestling had held an annual tournament since 1974. Now, New Japan has been in existence since 1972. So the first couple years, they didn't hold this tournament. And the name of those tournaments were names such as World League, MSG League, IWGP League. But basically, Antonio Inoki... Who we've talked about in dusty finishes?
1: Yeah, but uh, MSG leagues, like Madison Square Garden, are yeah. they were they performing in Madison Square Garden?
0: I don't or, know. I, I don't think Madison every. I don't. I think they were just in Japan. Yeah, I was time. just
1: trying to figure out why it was called MSG league. Then. I didn't look that up all the way. Yeah, no, that's cool. I was just curious.
0: Like I was saying, Antonio Noki basically ruled the wrestling world in New Japan at that time, winning the various tournaments. Ten times in that time frame. He was Hulk
1: Hogan with a a better chin.
0: Between 74 and 91. Ten times. It was sometimes held as a single elimination tournament. But is usually held as a round robin with winners from two pools of wrestlers wrestling in a final to decide the winner. When they switched to the IWGP League in 1983, Hulk Hogan would actually win the tournament. And would become the IWGP heavyweight champion. Or at least he would win the championship. But it does not have the same lineage as the current belt that you see in NJPW Damn. as of today. Basically, that was the belt they held for like the first four years. And basically, whoever won the tournament would then challenge the last year's winner who held oh, the belt yeah. in the final and that's what they would decide, it, and that was from like 83 to 87. In 1991, New Japan would establish the G1 Climax name, and even though it is considered a continuation of the previous tournaments, officially those previous ones were not part of the G1 lineage. So that's why we're starting now in 1991 with yeah. these. The 1991 G1 Climax would feature such wrestlers as Tatsumi Fujinami, who we've seen face Ric Flair a couple times. Yeah. Kiji Muto, who is the great Muda. Scott Norton, who we saw at the Super Show. Vader, Bam Bam Bigelow, Masahiro Chono, Ricky Choshu, and Shinya Hasamoto. Now, Shinya Hasamoto is the only one that we haven't seen out of these eight guys. So we're kind of familiar. With these guys a little bit. Yeah. Not a whole yeah. lot. But a little we, bit.
1: We've seen we've seen a good a good amount of Muda. Exactly and uh, you know, some some Vader. I feel like we haven't seen Bam Bam in a while. I assume he's just out here hanging out in Japan.
0: Yeah, him and Vader tag teaming it up and and crushing crushing Japanese souls.
1: <laughs>
0: so those eight men were split into two blocks. And like I said, we're gonna cover three block matches and then the final. And basically what I did was I went through and found the, if I could find video of the best matches and the, so we're going to cover four, the four matches. And these were the ones that were rated the best basically.
1: Yeah. Like the, the, uh, the highlights of the first annual G1 climax.
0: Exactly. So, not going to be a super long episode, but please join us in. I'm going to post all of these videos on Twitter so people can find them easier. But they yeah. are, like I said, they are all on Daily Motion as well. So let's head off to our first matchup that we're going to cover. It was Shinya Hashimoto versus Masahiro Chono in a B block match. Like I mentioned, Hashimoto, we haven't seen him wrestle before. So therefore, the first thing we need to do
1: is uh find out his accolades.
0: He is an NWA, a New Japan Pro Wrestling and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And this match would take place on August 9th, and it is a edited down video. So we're gonna we join this match in progress around the twenty-five minute mark of a thirty minute match.
1: So we get the uh we get the the, the closing stretch.
0: Exactly. Chono with multiple running kicks. Masahiro goes for a fourth, but Shinya with a sweeping heel kick to take him down.
1: And Chono's ha- kicks are scary.
0: They are. <laughs> they're, like,
1: they're like really, they, yeah. They, they could be shoot kicks for all I know. Like he really, they look nasty.
0: Hasamoto rolls Chono over into a single leg crab, but Masahiro makes it to the ropes. Shinya with a belly to belly for a two count. Chono's firing back with an insiguri and a clothesline. Rolls Hasamoto over into the single leg crab of his own, but then turns it into the STF. But Shinya grabs the ropes.
1: And he's the the creator of the STF, right? Or at least Correct. yeah.
0: Chono that's is his, the creator of the STF. Yeah.
1: Outside of like, you know, really brutal kicks and cool goatees.
0: Ossumoto's up first to hit a DDT for a two count then hits multiple jumping elbow drops the ring announcer is counting down the time as Shinya goes for the cover but the bell rings and it is a time limit draw uh,
1: that's the thing about the the G1 you gotta have a time limit draw like maybe like once a maybe once every other tournament because <laughs> they are only 20 minute matches right or 30, 30 minute matches 30, 30 minutes minute now? matches okay
0: yeah. So post-match, the two men shake hands out of respect for each other for their hard, hard-fought match, and this would give both men one point for a draw in the B block.
1: Yeah, you get two points if you win, one point for a draw, zero points exactly. if you lose.
0: And because of this match, these two men would end up being tied after the initial round robin with five points in the B block, so they would be tied, okay? Okay. I think I said tied a few more times. Let me say yeah, it. A few yeah, yeah, they were tied.
1: Yeah, that's fun. That's uh, that's why we like this tournament so much. Is because things like
0: so nowadays, if there was a tie, they would usually do because usually someone will beat someone else to make it not a tie. Or if it is a tie, someone beat the highest rank, highest ranking. I think that's what they do now. Back then. If they were tied, coin toss. They would have a second match or a playoffs, basically.
1: Okay, I was like, "Is either going to be or a coin toss?" And I was like, "Coin toss seems kind of does it doesn't seem very uh, wrestling."
0: So, guess what? We're going to cover another Chono Shina match. Not right now, but here in a few minutes. But first, we're going to go off to our second match. It's Big Van Vader versus Kijimuta. In an A block match. And this match was yeah. from August 10th.
1: Yeah, um, I just had a quick question. The So, was he just doing the Great Muda gimmick in the US or was he doing it in Japan as well? And then he just kind of got out of it recently in Japan and like started going by like his, you know, his real name?
0: From what I understand, I, I think he did wear the mask more in America. And not New Japan, but it's kind of like a Finn Balor type thing, and the um, oh,
1: like yeah, it's like it's like where, a sometimes thing, yeah. Or like even Liger did attention Liger, Liger yeah. like a couple times. Uh, huh. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was just curious because I've basically only seen him as Muda at this point, and uh, here there's no mist, no no tongues out. He's just a uh, he's just an athletic man going to the ring for a challenge.
0: So, the version we watched of this match was that fan cam version that we talked about a little bit earlier. But it is the full match.
1: Yeah, the fan cam actually was was kind of fun.
0: Like it wasn't, it
1: wasn't, it wasn't bad
0: considering how old it was. I thought it was at a perfect angle. The footage. I mean, there's one little screw up, like snafu in the video, but it's literally like maybe like ten seconds worth of tape that we don't see.
1: Yeah, as far as fan like hand hand cam fan videos from '91 go, like this one's pretty solid. I was impressed.
0: I thought so too. Both men come out like we said. Muta doesn't have his mask on. Vader doesn't have his mask on that we usually see him have on.
1: Oh, does he? I mean, spoiler: we see him later. So, but he does have it later, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. He's wore it. He's wore it at both of the WCW shows that we've seen him at. Yeah. But here in Japan. He ha- he's not wearing it for this match.
1: Maybe it needed to, you know, they needed to pump more steam into it. Had to send it off to the manufacturer, get the the button well, fixed.
0: Well, I mean, just even his red. Like, oh, the red, red match. Their,
1: Oh, that okay. I was like, I th- I thought he wore the big one, but the yeah, the I feel like he doesn't do that until later in his career.
0: But he has worn it at both the WCW shows yeah, that right. we've seen him at.
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. His uh like. Mankind type of thing. Yes. Except for, you know, before that, but it's like, you know, not, it's made out of like dog collars. It's like, it's like (laughs) nylon as opposed to leather.
0: So the match gets going. The two lock up with Vader using his power early on, utilizing strikes, chokes until Muda rolls out to the floor to regroup. Quick strikes once Kiji gets back in to send Vader out to regroup big slap from vader which he follows up with a clothesline and a power slam for a two count muda is tossed to the ropes rolls under a clothesline and turns to hit a drop kick begins to run the ropes and tries for a shoulder block that is no sold by vader then a spinning heel kick followed by another drop kick sends the big man to the floor we see a short arm clothesline by vader who puts a modified crucifix hold on hits a body avalanche to send Muta to the floor. We lo- this is where we lose the video for a moment, and it- but as we return, Vader is continuing the attack on the outside, brawling into the crowd, tossing Kiji's head into a ring post. Oof. Muta's rolled back in. As Vader gets on the apron, Kiji springs to life with a dropkick, hits a plancha, and then Irish whips Vader into the guardrail, followed by a handspring back elbow.
1: We have seen that before.
0: That's classic Muda, right there.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Also, I will say, I guess is as great as the great Muda. He never flipped into the ring, but I don't believe. But here he's like grabbing the top rope and like flipping into the ring, uh, and it's just cool. Like before the match starts.
0: It's probably because since he was a foreigner in all the other matches that we've seen him. Yeah,
1: he was like he the, was the heel. heel, yeah, and
0: heels aren't supposed to do these spectacular moves basically
1: no that's why he was shooting people in the face with mist
0: exactly once back in the ring muda continues the attack with a snapmare, twisting elbow drop for a two count but vader fires back with lefts and rights hits a clothesline for a near fall before locking on a dragon sleeper but kiji escapes
1: those vader rights and lefts, they just hit harder in japan whether they're <laughs> Japanese or not, they just hit harder. And he's doing like this like forearm, just like slamming his forearms into, into his face. It's pretty nasty looking.
0: Vertical suplex attempt by Vader, but Muda floats over and starts running the ropes to hit a forearm to knock Vader down. And follows that with a drop kick and a back suplex. Kiji goes up to the top rope to hit a springboard drop kick, but then goes to the top turnbuckle to hit the moonsault for the pin, and no, Vader kicks out.
1: You're going to have to do more than that to, to keep Big Van on his back.
0: Mudo with the Irish whip goes for the handspring back elbow, but Vader catches him and hits a back suplex. Can't keep going back to the well. KG is tossed to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, comes back off the ropes with for a sunset flip, but Vader stays up and then butts but splashes, splashes down. down hell yeah he's got those short
1: short little t-rex arms he probably couldn't reach so
0: he's just like fuck i'm gonna sit on (laughs) and that's followed by a splash for a near fall vader with another irish whip hitting a body avalanche in the corner hits the power bomb for the pin and No. no muda kicks out massive strikes from vader tosses kiji to the ropes and misses a clothesline Muda turns, but Vader delivers a roundhouse right to knock him down. Kiji is tossed again, ducks a clothesline, but grabs Vader to pull him over into a backslide pin for a two count. Vader goes for a body slam, but Muda cradles him for a small package for another near fall. Kiji's hit with another body avalanche in the corner after an Irish whip, but he shakes it off immediately to go up to the top turnbuckle to go for a crossbody. But Vader catches him, goes to body slam him, but Muna uses the momentum to roll over on top for the pin. And,
1: and the win.
0: <laughs> do that uh, when we're not in person. All of a sudden, <laughs> we see Zabutons come flying into the ring. Oh, I was like a Zabuton.
1: Pillow toss.
0: The seat cushions.
1: <laughs> yeah, the seat cushions.
0: And they start... They land in the ring, and they're, like, burying Muta underneath them.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a, you know, sumo tradition, so it's Japanese tradition. But, you know, whenever uh, there's, like, an upset uh, or shit gets wild, you know, you throw the... Typically, it's saved for, like, when somebody beats a Yokozuna. But, you know, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Keiji <laughs> Kei- muto Kei- just beat uh, Van Vader, who's, like, three times the size. <laughs>
0: But once uh, Muda's back to his feet, Vader shows his respect by shaking hands and lifting Kiji's arm. And then Muda would continue to celebrate in the ring. This victory would put Kiji in control of block A and would help him make it to the finals. This match was also rated five stars by Mr. Dave Meltzer.
1: And it was, uh, what I saw of it was pretty great. The, uh, I mean the finish is smart because it's like, oh, he just he just pulled one over on Vader. Like, you I love that you we can't, both you have... can't pin Vader clean like that. You just gotta
0: persevere. You know, and take advantage when you can. I love that they both got their finishers in. The other kicked out, and then we went to the actual finish with the momentum roll. Yeah, and that was a good and roll that and that's that's finish. how a that's how a smaller person usually beats a bigger person is by surprise with a cradle or a momentum yeah. roll type thing. So I thought the match was. If he just moonsaulted Vader and won, I'd been like, this that was weird. Yeah, exactly. So we're gonna go to our third match of Shinya Hasamoto versus Masahira Chono, and no, I'm not repeating myself. Like I said earlier, this is the b block decision match
1: yeah when i went to uh watch all of this i was like wait cuz i was like typing in the the like the match or whatever i was like wait a second like i, I was like oh it's a different the different date or whatever but i was like we already saw this cuz i didn't realize that it was a a rematch. a rematch i realized that they like were tied in in points or whatever because uh you know i didn't do the research
0: plus you couldn't understand japanese
1: no, exactly. I'm sure they
0: would have told me all about it if I could understand Japanese. So this match is from August 11th, and we see the introductions of both men, but then, as as with the other Shinya Chono match, it is we edited down. right
1: to the end. And
0: so we yeah, cut I was ahead. like,
1: oh, sorry, yeah, I was like, oh, cool, like, the introduction, maybe I'll see, like, some stuff from, like early in the match, but it's like as soon as they do the introduction, just like quick cut
0: to like, you know, like a winded Chono getting his ass beat. We cut ahead in the match with Shinya hitting stiff kicks to Chono. And the ref is having to make sure that Chono isn't knocked out. Yeah, he like he's, de-
1: he's definitely uh, fighting from, from underneath. The man is buried at this point.
0: Masahiro's tossed to the ropes but he immediately just falls down like he doesn't even have the power to make it from one side of the ring to the other
1: yeah which is weird to see when you're just like thrown into a match so it's like oh like that's really cool i bet that that would mean a lot more if i saw the the previous like 10 15 minutes
0: hasamoto hits the ddt a rolling fireman's carry slam for a near fall more stiff kicks goes for a suplex. But Chono floats over, kicking Shinya in the leg, and both men are down. Masahiro, with an insiguri locks on the STF, but Hasamoto quickly makes his way to the ropes.
1: And they're, like, crawling, like, like hands and knees, like, really fast to the ropes a few times. I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't want to get locked in a Chono STF.
1: Oh, he, he created it.
0: Chono grabs Shinya, drags him back to the middle of the ring, and looks to put the single-leg crab on him but turns it into the STF again, but Hasamoto breaks the hold once more by grabbing the ropes. Shinya with a spinning heel kick for a two count looks for the suplex, but again, Masahiro locks on the STF with Hasamoto submitting this time. So the two men show respect to each other and this would make Chono the winner of the B block and would move on to the final that will cover Right now,
1: right now, yeah. The uh, I thought it was like obviously they're deep into this match, but when he finally gets that STF on, you know, from and the way he locks it on from the suplex position was really cool. But Shinya Hashimoto, he taps like basically immediately, like once it's on, he just got it in there and it's quick.
0: I mean, it was the third time he had Yeah, been exactly. Put in it in yeah. The, like literally like three minutes. So,
1: and that's the so, I feel like that's kind of the best way for for me for like submission matches to end it's like oh yeah you got it on them a few times we've been really working this limb and they get it on there and they just like can't can't do it it's like when you're holding it for four minutes and then it's and then they tap it's just like okay all right we could have done this match and uh you know and yeah and it can end excitingly and also what's the deal with the single leg crap is that just like a Hashimoto thing
0: i to me, I feel like it's a Japanese thing because yeah. that's the one submission hold that they teach all the young lions.
1: Well, they do like they do regular Boston crabs too. I mean, I like think it's full, just it, full it, crabs. It's, it's the upgrade from the Boston
0: crab. The single yeah, leg,
1: the single leg crab, the half crab. The uh, I just yeah, uh, just like oh come on, why don't why didn't you grab the
0: other one? So our fourth match is Kijimuta. Versus Masahiro Chono in the G1 Climax Final for 1991. And this match would also be be from August 11th. So that means that Masahiro had his B-block final match halfway card. And then he fought in the main event in the final. Man, that's pretty fucking brutal. My question, because we saw the introductions of both men. Who got the bigger pop? I don't know. Kiji or Masahiro? I feel like
1: that that uh, Mudo uh, got the bigger pop. It was very close. It's very close, but I think he had like the edge.
0: So the two men are frozen in place. They're staring each other down, and they finally lock up with no one getting an advantage until Muda hits a back suplex, but the two men are still locked up a side headlock takeover by Kiji reversed into a head scissors by Chono, which Muto escapes and locks on an ankle lock. Then Masahiro takes the back and reverses into an arm bar, but Muto rolls on top for a pin attempt multiple times before making it to the ropes to break the hold. Some good chain wrestling there to start a match off.
1: Oh yeah. I love, I love it.
0: We get a drop toe hold by Chona goes for a reverse chin lock that kiji reverses into a wrist lock but a right hand by masahiro breaks the hold but muda fires back with a spinning heel kick snap mare twisting elbow dropped by kiji head slam into the turnbuckle an irish whip followed by a handspring back elbow but chono has moved out of the way grabs muda for a german suplex Masahiro goes for the armbar, but again, Kiji makes it to the ropes to break it. The two men start firing away at each other with strikes until a headbutt by Muda takes Chona down. Kiji starts working on the leg, locking on an Indian deathlock, before turning it into a Muda lock and then changes it into a bridging butterfly hold to work the shoulders.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild, though, like, just the mat chain wrestling that they uh do here also i love that the young lions are just like all leaning on the like apron like watching on intently
0: learning from the masters yeah muda with a snapmare goes to an arm bar which masahiro keeps rolling on top for pin attempts until just stomping on kiji's head to escape
1: <laughs> it's one way to get out of old
0: Big kicks from Chono to send Muda to the floor and into the guardrail, followed by a tope suicido, then climbs to the top rope, coming off with a double axe handle. Masahiro drags Kiji back into the ring, hits multiple pile drivers, looks to turn him over for a single leg crab, but Muda makes it to the ropes and rolls to the outside.
1: You know what's kind of wild is this crowd is, like, hot for absolutely everything, but then they no-sell pile drivers. (laughs) Like, the crowd's, like, not popping for, like, multiple, like, nasty pile drivers, but they're, like, losing their minds, like, every other moment. And I'm like, what is the deal here? Are they just afraid for the man? And they're like, you know, or what? But I just thought that was funny.
0: I think everyone does a pile driver probably, but not everyone does some of this other stuff. So maybe that's what it is.
1: Yeah, but like I think I popped for like almost every pile driver I've ever seen. To varying degrees.
0: I mean, it's either a pop of hell yes or oh my god, that dude's neck just got broken.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh that didn't look so uh,
0: so correct. Chono follows out to the floor to continue the attack, goes for another pile driver, Pekiji back backbody drops him, taking the fight into the crowd, where then he pile drives Masohiro where there is no padding.
1: Yeah, nasty. On the concrete, I don't think, I don't know where they are, but it's probably not the Tokyo Dome.
0: It's not the Dome. I want to say it was, it's there in my memory somewhere, and I can't think of it.
1: All right, it's, all, it's not important. It was in 1991.
0: Muda rolls Chono back in, goes to the top rope to hit a missile drop kick for the two count. Back suplex by Kiji says, that's it. And hits a bridging German suplex, but just for a near fall. Another pile driver by Muda, another two count. A dragon suplex, but Chono's in the ropes. Kiji with a snap mare starts to head to one corner, but realizes he won't be able to make it from that corner, so he goes to the opposite corner, up to the top, coming off with a moonsault, but Masahiro has moved. Chono with more kicks, locks on the STF, but Muta's crawling and makes it to the ropes. Masahiro with a body slam goes to the top rope, hitting a flying shoulder tackle, and locks on an octopus lock, but again Kiji crawls his way to the ropes. Back suplex by Chono, goes for a vertical suplex that is blocked and reversed by Muta, followed by putting Masahiro in an octopus lock of his own, but Chono rolls over, right into the ropes and the reason they were putting octopus locks because that's Anoki's thing so they're yeah building upon history which new japan's real good about doing so
1: yeah totally it's like yeah it's like yeah that is that is i haven't seen a lot of Anoki, but i know that of Anoki. Uh, so you
0: know it's pretty well known kiji goes up to the top rope masahiro's up and tries to hit a drop kick but muda leapfrogs over him hitting a back suplex, and goes back up to the top rope to hit another missile dropkick.
1: That was a really, really great moment.
0: <laughs> Both men are down, but Chono is up first to lock the STF back on, but Kiji immediately makes it to the ropes. Muda tosses Masahiro to the ropes, goes for the dropkick, but Chono holds on to the ropes, followed by a big kick that sends Kiji into the ropes, who then comes back with a flying forearm. Muda with a backbreaker goes to the top rope to try for the moonsault, but Masahiro gets his knees up.
1: Knees up! Uh.
0: Chono then hits a jackknife power bomb for the pin and the win. The, win. <laughs>
1: the uh, uh, I can't wait to do this in person again, but the he pla- that that power bomb is really nasty. Like he plants the shit out of him, yeah. <laughs> like. If that was, like, you know, dirt, there'd be, like, a fucking six-inch indention. (laughs) And, of course, the pillows fly. Or as... What did you call them?
0: The foot buttons. Zabutons. (laughs)
1: Zabutons.
0: So the winner of the G1 Climax, number one, is Masahiro Chono. Shinya Hasamoto comes out. He's there to congratulate Chono. Then Muda and Masahiro hug and show respect to each other. And the reason... This was done is because these three men, Shinya, Kiji, and Masahiro, are better known as Token Shenyushko, or in English, the Three Musketeers. And they would be the leaders of New Japan into a new era. Yeah. We've had the Enoki era, and now we're moving into the Three Musketeers era, basically. Chono's handed the pair of huge trophies.
1: Yeah, why two? I guess, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? They couldn't find one big enough, so they just got two really big ones.
0: He's handed a 5 million yen check,
1: which... Yeah, I love it, a big check. I love a big check.
0: Which I did the math, and uh-huh. 5 million yen is equal to $46,000. Currently? Currently. Okay. So maybe in back in 91, it might... It might have been
1: Yeah, but yeah, ninety one forty six thousand dollars was a lot more than forty
0: than it is now.
1: Exactly. So you know. just for inflation.
0: Masahiro then takes the mic, which of course is in Japanese, so I have no clue what he says, but he does leave the crowd in a chant that Mm -hmm. really gets everyone just riled up and like cheering. And I didn't
1: even know what he was saying. I know. I was like,
0: (laughs) Yes, I, I, I was like, Where's Chris Charlton when I need him to translate for me? So the three musketeers raise their hands and the video ends and that's all the matches we have. So Michael Temple, what are your overall thoughts of violent storm in Koguki con?
1: It's about as like, if you're going to be sitting down and looking at a screen, that's about as good of an hour as you can spend staring at a screen. Not only, not only like, you know, as just as a wrestling fan, but like because it's everything still holds up, it's not Chinlock City, you know what no. I mean? It's not Chinlock City, it's not like even like even the uh holds, like this last match has tons of holds, but it's never boring, and they don't even, he, it seems like they'll get bored and like go into another hold.
0: I know yes. that he, Yeah, it's like, it's like went, oh, okay, it's the... like, you looks
1: like you got that locked in, but they're like, oh, no, I'm going to work some other part of his body now. I know, he, like did the, he did the
0: Indian death lock and then changed it into the Moodle lock and then was like, okay, I've had this on long enough. Now I'm going to do this bridging butterfly hold, which I was like, that's the cool – I've never yeah, seen that move incredible. before. No. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. It's so – I didn't even know what to call it.
1: Yeah, I know. I like also love that the – intensity in which they're like all right i can't take much more of this i'm just going to crawl on my elbows and like will through it like there's a lot of elbow crawling and it's kind of cool it's just like a little bit the normally somebody would like slowly crawl to the ropes or whatever but here it's like okay i'm gonna use my last burst of energy to try to get out of this it's just kind of a different like way of like selling or I don't know you know you know what I'm kind of trying to say yeah it's just like a different a different uh, intensity yeah intensity a different like ethos of like you know it's the fighting spirit
0: right so when we decided when we were deciding what shows we wanted to cover this was not originally on the schedule we really weren't going to do any Japanese stuff until like we hit the two thousands because that's kind of the modern era of new Japan. But the more we,
1: at that point you can actually get the material.
0: Exactly. But the more we thought about it, the more we lean towards adding what we could, even if it was only a match here, a highlight video there that said, I'm so glad we made that decision.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I love hate wCW and I love hate wWF but the just the fresh air even if this was only a one hour like show we like cobbled together it's like a vacation
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it is I mean I've enjoyed these four matches so much that I've literally watched them several times
1: oh yeah over
0: over the last couple of days I'm just like I want to watch that match again.
1: Yeah, I mean, how often? Like, there's plenty of times you'll be like, "Oh man, I got to watch that again." But like, outside of revisiting like old stuff, do you rewatch a match? Like, if the like, I'll rewatch a match from like Wrestle Kingdom or something like that, you know. But how often do you, you know, watch SummerSlam and then go back and watch a match from SummerSlam, <laughs> like? you know i'll go back and watch I mean, like steamboat and like macho man or steamboat flare how often do you just rewatch matches after we've watched a 3 hour show
0: not very often <laughs> no. i mean there's very I think few, about it sometimes there's very few that i've that i've even thought about doing so i mean the fact that i went and watched all f- i've watched all four of these multiple times tells you a whole lot about this and I just want to reiterate that if you're listening to this and you haven't watched any of this yet, I am going to post all these links onto Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. Please click on them. Yeah, Do yourself good. a favor and watch them. I mean, that
1: first, the first clip's only like four minutes long. And uh, honestly, two, if you just type in the, the two men's names, like they show up immediately, like, you know, blank true. versus blank chono starts kicking the shit out of moto all right i like perked up like my posture got better and i was like oh, yeah and i was in
0: good Where, where's the smart marks at there, there. all right fuck you i think it's time we mark it up so i know we only covered four matches but favorite moments i mean my favorite. I, I mentioned it just a few minutes ago, the the switch from the Indian Death Lock to the Mudo Lock to the Bridging yeah. Butterfly Hold was gorgeous. You've mentioned the stiff kicks a the few times. Kicks.
1: There's a, a moment, I believe, in the last match where Mudo like, leapfrogged a, yeah, uh, a yes, drop that was kick. like Yeah, when he leapfrogs that drop kick, and uh, what does he do after that?
0: He then... Hits a back suplex, yes, goes up to the top rope and hits yes. a missile dropkick.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's that's my highlight is that cause like he leapfrogged a drop kick and then just like did another like equally amazing things like like butter, just like right into it and I as soon as he leapfrogged that drop kick, I didn't even do the other two uh moves before I like rewound it to see it again, because I was like flabbergasted i fucking (laughs) loved it so that's definitely my highlight in a hour spent of watching like basically a highlight reel
0: anything disappointing out of these four matches
1: i mean it would have been nice if we could have had the whole show
0: whole whole but like the whole match outside of that
1: yeah like the you know maybe the the draw If I had a little bit more context, Context, uh, but yeah, but you know, that's not, I can't be disappointed about that.
0: To me, it was super disappointing that when I went looking on New Japan World, that the only match that they had available from this entire tour was the final match. Yeah. And that that I had to go out there and find video other places. It, It seems a little... Ass backwards for for a less civilized wording.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's the why not? Why not this? Why
0: why why aren't these why aren't these matches on your streaming service?
1: I mean, maybe they don't have. Maybe they have weird rights issues. I mean, it's or it's possibly
0: that's the only thing I can think of. It's that it's a rights issue of some sort yeah. because.
1: I mean, this is the first G One, which is like the biggest and most important tournament of your whole promotion. And it has your your three musketeers. This is like the kind of the coming out party for them, right? Exactly. In a way.
0: Who are we going to give best performer to tonight? I don't fucking know, man. All, uh, all of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll give it to Chono
0: because he won. Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, that seems, I, but yeah. I, like, I, was,
0: I was not disappointed at any moment no by any of these guys so no. was there Would anything have
1: liked to see like some of the other matches we didn't get to see everybody like well, like Scott Norton versus you know so, Vader they might have been in the same block or something
0: actually if if you want to i sh- i should have mentioned this earlier if you want to add on daily motion they actually do have more of the block matches oh, okay i just curated it down to these four so we weren't just sitting here talking about
1: yeah, because like, you know Scott Norton's not winning the
0: exactly G1. So this episode is very much a curated version of of uh, 91's G1. G1 Climax.
1: That's cool. Well, I might have to go back and look at those out of curiosity.
0: Anything surprising? Are you surprised by anything?
1: How engaging a match full of holds would be in 91. Because the most matches I've seen in 91 that are full of Holds are not nearly as engaging <laughs> as, uh, as yeah. this one. So, you know, like there was no, yeah. I don't know if there was one reverse chin lock that wh- were in this, in that whole last match, they were always doing something more interesting or there was a reverse chin lock as well as some, some other kind of hold happening.
0: I think the, su- one of the surprising things for me was that we watched an entire year of great Muda in in NWA, oh, yeah. WCW. And it felt like there, he was a very experienced wrestler. But knowing now what I know after watching this show and doing the little bit of research that I've done, that was basically his excursion.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's pretty so crazy it's like, too. Like that's the beginning of Muda's career is like him going and hanging out in the U.S. like... For a little
0: bit, yeah. He was basically a young lion, and after you're a young lion in New Japan, you are sent somewhere to in on excursion to learn from different people, yeah. It'll
1: go or uh, or the UK or you know, Mexico or, or the United States, basically, like they'll. The four places where wrestling's a thing <laughs> like yeah. I, it's a, it is in other places too, but like those are the places where there's like as a pretty a consistent scene
0: over over time, and I was just like, we, we loved Muda from the moment he showed up I mean Muda was over even for
1: the for uh, fans. there was muda signs and stuff in that year that he was there until they buried him in one night. but I guess you can bury. A young lion in one night, right? Exactly. In in a different, different territory. So like in hindsight, it's like, okay, well, they did that to him, but he's going on to greater things.
0: And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Terry Funk had held the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship for 14 months when he walked into Toronto, Ontario, Canada on February 6th, 1977. That night, former champion Harley Race would win the title to begin his second reign as champion. Race, after losing the belt four years prior, had been going from territory to territory, collecting several regional titles, including becoming the first Mid-Atlantic United States Champion, which is still defended to this day as the WWE United States Championship. All of these title wins would keep Harley in contention for the world title, and Race vowed he would only need one chance to regain it. In the match against Funk, Harley Race would use an Indian Deathlock, a rarely used submission hold, but one that would put great pressure on Funk's injured leg. After winning the belt, Race would go on to show his dominance by defending the title up to six times a week and holding the belt for over three years.
1: Six times a week, man.
0: Next week, SummerSlam 1991.
1: Hell yeah. This is a, what, our third SummerSlam? Did it start in 89?
0: Uh, I think it's our fourth one. Okay. After we've now covered WrestleMania, I think is the last show we've covered from WWF.
1: Yeah, we had, uh, we had a big WCW run there for a minute.
0: They ran a bunch of shows during the summer, but... We it's did, what,
1: three shows, three WCW shows in a row? I want to say... Because we yeah. did the Super Show, and then there was, like, the... Yep, yeah, that's what it was. The super Ball Show, Brawl. Super Brawl,
0: and then Great American Bash. And then this week, of course, we headed to the Far East to cover some Japanese wrestling.
1: Yeah, I knew there was a reason I was excited when I heard Vince McMahon open SummerSlam. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's different. I feel like I haven't been here in a while.
0: But the music from this week's show is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. That's actually New Japan's theme. Oh, really? At this point in time? There's like an excerpt from that song that is the theme song from New Japan.
1: I didn't didn't catch that. Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, first band I ever saw live. Wow. I saw them open for Jethro Tull.
0: That's interesting.
1: I was like in first grade.
0: (laughs) And Masahiro Chono was our winner, so we're going to play his theme music called Fantastic City by Osama Suzuki. And you're hearing it right now, so I'm Uh, hoping you're loving it. It sounds pretty fantastic. And very urban?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. sounds. I would put this in my headphones if I was just strolling down the streets of Tokyo.
0: If you like this show please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. The best thing you can do to help us out is leaving those reviews or telling a friend, family member, just whoever. Let them know that you like us and you'd like them to listen to us as well. So then LFO. You can... Who knows? Exactly. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistoX. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, I'll be posting all the vi- all the clips, or at least links to the clips of the videos. Yeah. So they're a little bit easier to find if you don't want to hassle yourself going to Daily Motion and trying to search yeah. for them.
1: If you just Google like G1 Climax '91? I would suggest watching every video that shows up. Because I know That's that the ones that I didn't catch uh, will be watched very, very, very soon. Very, very shortly, yeah. yeah. Maybe even this season.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.